Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, the PGA Tour season is coming to a close. The final 30 golfers in the FedEx Cup playoffs are heading to Atlanta, Georgia to East Lake Golf Club for this season's Tour Championship. It's that time of year again as college football and the NFL are kicking off. The PGA Tour season is winding down before they kick off the fall swing in a few weeks. Yeah, it's a weird schedule. It's weird playoffs. It is what it is. But hey, we've got a PGA Tour event this week, and it is definitely one where if you understand the format of the event and you understand the game theory of what you're playing, you can have an edge on your competition. So we're going to break down this event here in this podcast. We are going to break down Eastlake Golf Club itself the unique format of the event and how you can take advantage of it in whatever game you're playing, um, whether it is DFS, betting, one and done, or anything else. We are going to break it down here on this podcast for you um, coming up here in just a second. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. It really does help me out a lot. If you subscribe, you'll be notified when all of my weekly season-long fantasy football content, college football content, and golf content for next season drops, uh, and you'll get notifications. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button, and you'll be notified when it drops. If you're listening on audio, please Please rate and review wherever you're listening. It really helps me out. I really do appreciate it. Now, that pretty much does it for the introduction. So let's go ahead and kick things off by talking about Eastlake. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so before we can start talking about Eastlake Golf Club, let's go ahead and break down the unique format of this event. So the Tour Championship is the final event of the FedEx Cup playoffs for the 2023 PGA Tour season, you know, the one that started all the way back in last September. So this event does have a very unique format to it. The PGA Tour is using what is known as starting strokes for this event because up until 2019, this event kind of ran separately to the FedEx Cup playoffs to where you could have a guy that won the Tour Championship but didn't win the entire FedEx Cup playoffs. You know, the kind of metaphor that I would use to compare that to is it would be like playing the Super Bowl this year between the Chiefs and the Eagles and the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl but giving the Eagles a trophy for having the most wins during the regular season. So, you know, it's kind of... I don't really necessarily agree with how they do starting strokes, but it does give one definitive champion. You're, we're going to walk away this week with one winner of the FedEx Cup and the Tour Championship in one, you know, kind of one victory. So that is kind of why they ended up doing it. So basically what's going to end up happening is the 30 golfers who are playing are going to be ranked based off of their position in the FedEx Cup. So Scotty Scheffler, who is currently number one, is going to start at minus 10, and the guys who are 26 through 30 are going to start at even par, and they're kind of just distributed between. So we're going to break down you know, the specifics of the start and strokes here in just a little bit, but that is kind of how you know, the PGA Tour is doing this event. There definitely is some advantages if you understand how to use it to your advantage. So let's go ahead and talk about East Lake Golf Club itself. So East Lake is positioned um, on the east side of Atlanta, Georgia. And for a golf course called East Lake, it actually doesn't have water come into play very often. It comes into play on exactly uh, three holes, which is not a whole lot. Uh, I, you kind of would expect them more from a course named after a body of water. Anyway, East Lake is a par 70, and it is 7,300 yards. Um, it's a long par 70, and it is designed by Donald Ross, who also designed Sedgefield Country Club, who also designed Detroit Golf Club, as well as Oak Hill Country Club, host of this year's PGA Championship. So Donald Ross Greens do have a little bit of interesting contours. I do think there's kind of something to be said about um, being able to put on Donald Ross Greens heading into this week. Um, so basically, Eastlake is a long par 70, not that dissimilar from what we saw last week at Olympia Fields or what we saw at Oak Hill Country Club. There's only two par fives, there's four par threes, and there's a lot of long par fours. And this course 
is not an easy golf course. It has the narrowest fairways on the PGA Tour. Now, I wouldn't describe it as the narrowest course on the PGA Tour. I think that would belong to Harbortown because for Harbortown, the fairways are slightly wider than this, but there's like nothing separating the fairways and the trees. Here you do have a little bit of rough, a little bit of breathing room, uh, and there's a, a little bit of fairway bunkering and a lot of green bunkering here at East Lake. So, not only are these fairways narrow, but you're going to want to hit them because the rough here tends to get very thick and it is Bermuda rough, which is a lot more difficult to hit out of than what we saw last week at Olympia Fields with the Kentucky bluegrass. Bermuda rough is the one that like, you know, you can see the guys drop the ball in and it can like disappear. And you really, if you hit the rough and you don't get a good lie, you're going to be just hacking out and trying to get yourself a chance where you can get up and down for par as opposed to actually going for the green. Now, the par threes are longer than tour average. Um, so they're not going to be easy. They're not birdie holes. The birdie holes here are the par fives. They're both very scorable. They're both reachable into for long hitters, especially the 18th. The 18th usually gives a pretty thrilling finish because the 18th is typically a birdie hole. The par fours are kind of a gauntlet. All but two of the par fours are over 420 yards with multiple par fours being over 500 yards. And the greens themselves are big, they're above average size, and they are lightning fast, and they are Bermuda grass. So they're not the easiest to make putts on, especially if you end up on the wrong side of it. And like I said, Donald Ross greens kind of have their own unique little, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? Not nuts and bolts, but like um, just kind of unique little um, aspects to them, I guess you could say. Now, this is also a course where I enjoy Eastlake as a course, but I don't think it is the best fit for this type of event with the starting strokes. This is a course where there's going to be a lot of pars. Um, there's not a whole lot of birdie holes, but yet at the same time, because there's not a whole lot of water and there's not like super undulation on the greens. It's not super difficult to get up and down from these greens either. Like there's not a whole lot of disasters either. There's not a whole lot of, you know, double bogeys or worse. I would say if, if there's a course that, you know, would fit the starting strokes mentality, it'd be a course like TBC Twin Cities at 3M Open where you've got a lot of water lurking. There's a lot of disaster holes lurking, but there's also plenty of birdies to be made. It would kind of make it more interesting and give more guys a chance to win. But with there being a lot of pars this week, it tends to lend itself to an event where the guys who start on top with the starting strokes tend to stay on top with the starting strokes. So let's go ahead and take a look and kind of analyze who are the guys that are going to be starting on top. Well, we already discussed Scotty Scheffler. He is going to be starting at 10 under par, followed by Victor Hovland and Roy McIlroy at minus eight, minus seven, John Rahm at minus six, Lucas Glover at minus five, and then Brian Harmon, Matt Fitzpatrick, Max Homa, Patrick Cantlay, and Wyndham Clark at minus four. I'm going to stop there as opposed to going through all 30 names because in the history of using starting strokes at this event, no one has ever won this event starting from more than six strokes back. No one has won starting with a score um, that is worse than minus four. So if you're betting an outright winner this week, this would be the range that I would target is those 10 names. Now, there's also other ways to bet this week. I think this is a great week to make top 10 bets or maybe even top 10 parlays. I think it is a great week to play showdown DFS where you know you only have to play one round at a time. If Jock Market ends up doing contests this week, I think it's a great week to play Jock Market where you just need guys to outperform their expectation. But outright betting this week, if you are betting it outright, Pick one of the top 10 guys because it's highly unlikely that somebody outside of that wins it. And also, you can outright bet 
um, without using starting strokes, which I don't prefer to do because you really don't really have a clue how your bet's doing unless you want to go start doing some math on the leaderboard. I'm a high school math teacher, but that's a little bit much for me. So um, yeah, not my favorite week to bet an outright winner. Now, how can we identify some golfers who might do well here? Well, let's go ahead and start talking about course history. This event has been played at Eastlake for a long, long time. So there's guys that have piled up a lot of tour history here, especially guys that have played in a lot of these events. So looking at strokes gain total on rickrungood.com, the guys who have played in Eastlake and have gained the most strokes have been Xander Shoffley, who's played here six times, Max Homa, who's played here once, Russell Henley twice, Rory McIlroy nine times, Tyrrell Hatton once, Sepp Straka once, and then John Rahm six times, and Scotty Scheffler four times as your top eight. I, I kind of wanted to do eights so that we had a, a good amount of guys who have played here multiple times. Now, in terms of comp courses, I am using five courses um, as comps for this one. Um, I'm using Sedgefield and Oak Hill because they are both Donald Ross designs in um you know, kind of the same mold of a par 70 with scorable par fives and, you know, kind of a gauntlet of par fours. I'm also using Quail Hollow, which is another long, demanding Bermuda grass course that's going to have a lot of long approach shots. I'm using Innisbrook Resort, which is um, the Copperhead course, home of the Valspar Championship. Similar concept to Quail Hollow. Again, Bermuda greens, long approach shots, not an easy course either. And then TPC Southwind, home of the FedEx St. Jude that we saw two weeks ago. Another course, Bermuda Grass, um, Greens, and a par 70 and not super easy. So when you load in those five comp courses, the top five that come out in strokes gain total are Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, Tom Kim, Sam Burns, and Sung J.M. Interesting group there. Now, I did also build a custom model using the tools at rickrungood.com. Um, and so what I put in there is I use strokes gained off the tee, fantasy points gained because I do think it's important to be able to go out and score this week, especially if you're starting near the bottom. Um, strokes gained putting on Bermuda grass, long approach shots, 150 and up. Strokes gained at East Lake, fairways gained because I do think it's going to be important to hit the fairway this week. And then greens gained because those greens in regulation are going to give yourself plenty of opportunities at birdie. And in my model, the top five that popped out were Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Tyrrell Hatton, and Russell Henley. Russell Henley was kind of the surprising name there. The bottom five, because we're only doing 30 golfers this week, were Taylor Moore, Nick Taylor, Sam Burns, Wyndham Clark, and Brian Harmon. Hmm interesting group. So how can we use all that information to make bets or build a DFS lineup this week? Well, let's go ahead and stop talking about the course itself and start talking about the golfers that we should be picking. All right. So those of you that watched last week, hopefully you remember at this segment last week, we called Victor Hovland to win the BMW Championship. So let's see if we can go ahead and go back to back and call another winner to win the Tour Championship, albeit it's a little bit easier this week. Only got 30 golfers to pick from. There's only a handful of them that can actually win it. But let's see if we can go back to back. So let's go ahead and talk about DFS specifically for a second here. So if you're playing DFS this week, lineup construction is going to be super important. There is only 30 golfers, and everybody is playing six of them meaning that everybody is going to be playing 18% of the field in their lineup. So if you want to think about it, pretty much every golfer is going to average 18% ownership. Now, there's going to be probably 
10 to 12 that are going to be significantly above 18% owned, and then probably 10 to 12 that end up being in, um, you know, under 15% or so. So, and then that middle group is going to be right around 18%. So basically what it's going to be your job to do this week, if you want to win in DFS is figure out how to construct your lineup that is not going to be in a way that is going to be super easily duplicated or super easily like boxed out by you know not having any guys that are low owned, but by being unique and finding the guys who outperform where they're starting. That's going to be the bottom line this week is if you play a guy who's near the bottom, does he finish near the bottom? It's not unlike constructing a lineup for Live Golf because everybody this week is guaranteed a full four rounds at East Lake, and the guys who are actually at the bottom of the leaderboard are going to have an advantage because they're going to go out in the morning every single day. So basically, it's going to be, can you pick the right guys up top and find the right guys at the bottom that might be able to chase it. And, you know, like I said, you're going to want to try to get unique with your lineup construction as well. Can you try to squeeze in two guys at the top? Can you try to squeeze in, you know, three guys above 9K, something like that? I don't know. But if you want to win this week, you're not only going to have to get the right guys, but you're going to want to be unique. If you're somebody who's super eager to avoid being duplicated, then leave some salary on the table. Um, that That's my best advice for that. I generally don't avoid like intentionally being duplicated. Like if I end up having a really good lineup, I don't mind if I'm sharing the winnings with somebody else, as long as I've played the right plays and made sure that, you know, I'm in a right spot with ownership and with leverage. So um, that's not something I generally concern myself with too much. So let's go ahead and break it down. How should we make our picks this week? Well, we got to start with the top of the board. We got to talk about Scotty Scheffler. So Scotty Scheffler is in the midst of probably the most disappointing two-win season of all time. And I feel pretty confident saying that. Like, he didn't win a major. Um, he did win two elevated events. But he's been just had a lot of close calls since then. And Olympia Fields, the BMW Championship, added to that list of close calls. He led the field tee to green by quite a wide margin, but lost almost two strokes putting and came in second place to Victor Hovland. I'm generally okay with going back to Scotty just because – he is the best tee to green player in the field. Last year, he was in this similar position at the Tour Championship where he came in the lead um, you know, to Eastlake, and Rory McIlroy chased him down. Rory was the only guy to beat him as he came in second place, and he lost three strokes putting, which is typical of what Scotty does. Scotty's never gained strokes putting here at Eastlake, but I kind of just like the fact that if you go with Scotty, you're getting the best tee to green player in the world right now, and, and it's not even really particularly that close, so I have no problem starting my lineup with Scotty Scheffler this week. Now, Victor Hovland is another guy worth talking about because Victor is coming off of the victory at the BMW Championship. So what did we talk about before we called that win? Well, we talked about how Victor's ball striking numbers have been absolutely elite lately, which they continue to be. We talked about how Victor excels at difficult golf courses and at courses where the rough is pretty thick because he tends to play out of the fairway and he is generally a good chipper of the golf ball when his ball is in the rough if he misses the green. Well, guess what? All that kind of applies here at Eastlake. And he's really good at long approaches, which is going to be important when you play the long par fours here at Eastlake. Now, for the Tour Championship, if you're looking at his numbers, and when you look at this history at the Course Championship, y'all, don't just look at the finishing position. Look at the strokes gained if you have access to it, like a site like I have with rickrungood.com. Um, I really do recommend their tools. But if you 
have access to the strokes gain numbers, you have a better sense for how well they actually played because the starting strokes, you don't know where they started and where they should have finished the tournament. So you do have a little bit of a better grasp on how well they played if you have strokes gained. And back in 2021, Victor gained six strokes total. Um, and last year, he finally turned around his luck on the greens and gained strokes putting, even though he kind of was just mediocre elsewhere. So I really do like Victor Hovland. I think this course sets up well for him. I think personally, I would rather play the next guy on the list than Victor Hovland. Out of the top three salaries, I would probably have him ranked third. Rory McIlroy is the guy that I would probably rather play than Victor Hovland. And I'll be honest, I think I would rather play Rory than Scotty as well. I really do. So when you look at Rory Strokes' game numbers, he is not a significantly worse tee to green player than Scotty Scheffler right now. He's gained over seven strokes tee to green in six straight events, and he has also gained strokes putting in 10 straight events. So he's not only doing it tee to green like Scotty is, but he's gaining on the greens as well. And Rory is also the king of Eastlake. He won here last year chasing Scotty down with a performance that was just absolutely masterful. Gained six strokes putting. Uh, and he also won back here in 2019, the first year of starting strokes. And he did not start at the top that week either. Um, so you're looking at a guy who has won this event with this format twice. For whatever reason, he seems to do really well with the starting strokes and have the right chasers mentality. Uh, and so I just really like Rory McIlroy going into this. I like the course fit. I like the form coming in. And, and I like the fact that we're getting a guy with good history at this course heading in. Now, I'll be honest. I'm probably going to pass on John Rahm this week. However, if you are an ownership guy, a leverage guy, you're probably going to want to play him. I think of all the guys above 10-5 um, on DraftKings, I think he's going to be the lowest owned player. And I don't think it's going to be particularly close. You know, he had just hasn't played well in either of the last two events. And it's been his driver that's been failing him. It hasn't been the putter like Scotty Scheffler. It hasn't been like around the green play like Victor Hovland for a, such a long time. Like it's ball striking issues for John Rahm right now, which is not a good sign. I'm good with avoiding him. But like I said, if you're somebody who likes to play the low owned plays, you can get a really low owned John Rahm this week. For a guy that I still think at his ceiling is probably the best golfer in the world if you get his ceiling. Now, next up is Max Homa, who I do want to talk about. So Max is coming in off a of four straight top 12 finishes, two straight top six finishes. And he's doing it in a way that I think fits Eastlake very well. He is generally a good putter of the golf ball, which will help you at a course like Eastlake with these tough Donald Ross greens. And he's been elite with the driver in his hand. And that will serve you well here at Eastlake because it's going to allow Max to keep the ball in the fairway, but also be hitting shorter clubs in the greens than some of the shorter hitters in the field. So if he continues to be elite with the driver, I think this sets up pretty well for him. And oh, by the way, did I mention, he played in his first tour championship last year and came in fifth place where he gained six strokes to the field and just really had a good week. So I like the combination of course history and recent form coming in with Max Homa. Out of any of the 10K guys, you know, not 11K and above, Max is probably going to be the highest owned. If it's not Max, it's going to be the next guy that we're going to talk about, Xander Shoffley. So Xander Shoffley, the game recently has been pretty good, but not great. Like there's not like a whole lot of holes that I can pick. He's just been solid for about the last, I don't know, let's say four months dating back to Augusta, but he hasn't broken through for a win in that time. Well, maybe he can do that at East Lake, at a course that he has been really good at. His course history is actually better in terms of strokes gained than Rory McIlroy. I believe 
two years ago, maybe three years ago, he won the quote unquote shadow leaderboard where if you take starting strokes out of the equation, he was the best golfer in the field. Um, and so he's a guy that has been really good at East Lake every time he's teed it up here. 2022 was actually his worst year at East Lake, and he still gained over two strokes total to the field. Lost two strokes on the green, though, which is unlike Xander Shoffley. So I'm willing to write that one off and think that Xander is going to bounce back at a course that he knows well and plays well at. Now, after Xander, the nine, the top of the 10K and the 9K range is a lot of guys that I'm okay with fading this week. Matt Fitzpatrick, I kind of think that last week was just a really good course fit for him. If you, if you watched the episode, I believe we discussed that, how he's good at these courses that require fairways hit and, and our long golf courses like Olympia Fields was. So I'm kind of willing to write Fitzpatrick off. Lucas Glover and Brian Harmon, Tip of the cap, you got your wins this year. You shocked everybody. You know, you're you might end up playing in the Ryder Cup. Brian, Brian Harmon looks like a locker. Lucas Glover might end up being on the Ryder Cup. But I think they've played their best golf. And so I'm kind of thinking that with it not being the best course fits for either of these two guys, guys who have kind of already hit their peak this year, I'm kind of willing to just not play either of them this week. Now, the counter argument would be, well, Lucas Glover just won at Sedgefield and TBC Southwind, which are Bermuda grass greens, par 70s, not easy golf courses like this one. Okay, that, yeah, I get that. But I also think that, you know, he's kind of hit his peak and is coming back down. Brian Harmon won the Open Championship. Difficult golf course. Fifth place last week at the BMW Championship. Difficult golf course. But again, a guy that I think has played his best golf of the year, has to come back down, and I'm willing to fade those guys this week. Now, Wyndham Clark is a guy that maybe I'm wrong here. He did not show up well on my model. Um, he has never played the Tour Championship, and he hasn't really been particularly good in the last two months, but I like his course fit. So think about the courses that Wyndham Clark has played well at. Quail Hollow, Los Angeles Country Club, Innisbrook, and... Um, I believe he was really good at, yes, TBC Scottsdale earlier in the year, right? So what we know about those golf courses, just in general, firm and fast, long approaches, courses where playing out of the fairway is a help, and courses where um, you, you're going to see these long approach shots quite a bit. And so I kind of think that that's what he's good at. And so you're going to have a lot of those here this week at East Lake. So I think this is a pretty good course fit. Um, Oak Hill... We, one of my comp courses he missed the cut at, but Quail Hollow and um, Innisbrook were two of my comp courses this week. So I think I might roll the dice on Wyndham Clark, and I think he's going to be a fairly low-owned play. Tommy Fleetwood is a guy that I like a lot this week in this 8K range. Um, he's one of my preferred plays in the 8K range. Look, he's just been playing spectacular golf for about the last calendar year. He's generally a good putter of the golf ball. He's generally a good ball striker. He's played the Tour Championship twice in his career because he has played kind of primarily as a DP World Tour player, and he's gained strokes total in both of his appearances. I had no problem going with Tommy Fleetwood this week. It would be the most Tommy Fleetwood ever, a guy who's never won on the PGA Tour, to win the shadow tournament this week and, and not win the real thing. I, I just I would kind of love the irony of that with everybody poking fun at how he's never won on tour before. Sung JM is another one of my favorite plays in the 8K range, and look, with Sung Jay, 
I think he's going to be pretty popular in DFS this week, and for good reason. He's heating up. After the 3M Open, he's had three straight top 14 finishes, and he has pretty much gained strokes or been very close to neutral in strokes gained in every category since that miscut at TBC Twin Cities. He was elite at Sedgefield to a T14, was really good at TBC South one for a T6, really good last week, the BMW Championship for seventh place. And oh, by the way, in every year of his PGA Tour career, Sun JM has played in the Tour Championship. And last year, if I'm not mistaken, he would have been second place to Rory McIlroy in the Shadow Tournament um, without you know, starting strokes considered as he came in second place overall in that tournament. Um, and he's been, pre- well, he's been trending in the right direction here. He, he didn't start his career out the best here, but last year was his best performance at the Tour Championship. I, I just really like Sungjae this week. I like his recent form, and I like the fact that he's played here before. Next up is Russell Henley, who is a guy that showed up on my model, so I'm going to be playing him a lot. But let's just take a look at the golf that Russell Henley's been playing over the last two months. So excluding his trip across the pond to the open, he's finished outside the top 20 just once since the PGA Championship. That's pretty good. And since that miscut at the open, he's came in second, sixth, and eighth place, gaining strokes in every category except for the putter at Olympia Fields. And he is a Georgia guy, so I'm sure that he's played East Lake before. And it seems like he's pretty comfortable here. He's only played in two tour championships, but he's gained at least four strokes total in both of them, and he's gained strokes putting in both of them. I think this sets up really well for Russell Henley. He is one of my absolute favorite plays on the week. And, and I'm kind of happy that he showed up in my model because I might not have thought that with out it. Now, looking at the rest of the board, in the 7K range, there's a lot of guys that I think could make for good chasers this week. So think about the context of the tournament, right? You're starting eight or nine strokes down if you're in the 7K range on DraftKings. And so you got to try to find guys that are going to hunt at pins, can get hot with the irons, can get hot with the putter, and you know give themselves a chance to finish in the top five or top ten of this tournament. So who are some guys that fit that description? Well, first is Tom Kim. Tom Kim, like I mentioned with Wyndham Clark earlier, is best at courses that feature long approach shots. He's also won at one of my comp courses, which was Sedgefield, and he's been playing some pretty good golf recently. What I really like to see is the fact that he can have these spike weeks with his approach shots like he did when he gained seven strokes at LACC. And he can also have spike weeks with the putter, which he did when he gained seven strokes putting at Royal Liverpool. He's never played in the Tour Championship before, but I just think his game suits the format of the event very well in terms of a guy who can have a spike week. And I think that his game fits this course very well in terms of a guy who's going to find fairways and going to be elite with his long irons. Next up is Tony Finau, and I think Finau is going to be like one of the lower owned plays this week. He might come in at under 10%. He just hasn't been playing good golf, but if you look at the numbers, if you have the full breakdown, the driver has been mediocre, but it's been the putter that has really let Tony Finau down. So at Eastlake, what has he done with the putter? Well, he's gained strokes putting in four of his six appearances, and he's gained strokes total in four of his six appearances. So I kind of like Finau's history at Eastlake, and I kind of like his possibility to right the ship here this week, and I'm willing to roll the dice on Tony with him being what I expect to be a fairly low-owned play. Now, heading even further down the board, we got Siwoo Kim, who, like Tony, has been let down by the putter, but I generally like Siwoo at 
Donald Ross and Pete Dye courses. If you look at like all of his wins, think about Wyndham, the players, um, American Express, like they all occur at Donald Ross and Pete Dye courses, two designers who have fairly similar styles. And so you're getting Siwoo at a Donald Ross course this week, and I'm willing to take the chance on Siwoo here. Um, I, I don't have a problem with deploying him in DFS formats. He's played in the Tour Championship just once back in 2016 before the advent of starting strokes. He came in 10th place, which is not bad, not bad. So uh, I'm totally willing to roll the dice on Siwoo this week. Now, the two bargain bin players that I like both kind of fit a certain description. So Emiliano Grillo, in the last calendar year, or really, let's talk about Grillo's whole career. So Grillo's whole career, he's been a great ball striker of the golf ball, just elite with his irons, pretty good off the tee, um, and just going to put himself in the right positions, right? Until this year, he'd been terrible with the putter. This year, turns the putter around, plays the best golf he ever has, makes it to the Tour Championship, wins at Colonial Country Club. Well, why is the win at Colonial Country Club specifically relevant? Well, it's a par 70 that is narrow where you want to play out of the fairway, and it's got super lightning-fast Bermuda grass greens. Does that seem like it has a little bit of you know things in common with what we're going to see this week at Eastlake? I certainly think so. So I think that Grillo also is a guy who can get supremely hot with his irons and with his putter. And so kind of like Tom Kim, let me roll the dice on a guy who just might get hot for me this week. Now, he has played in the Tour, tour Championship once, came in 10th place back in 2016, was really bad on approach, which is uncharacteristic of Grillo, but he did gain strokes off the tee around the green and with the putter. The last bargain bin play that I'm willing to go with this week is Adam Shank, who is a guy that is really hot or cold. And I think Adam Shank and Sepp Straka kind of both fit this description. Um, I think Straka is going to be a little more high owned though. Um, but if you look at Adam Shank, he's a guy that, I mean, he pretty much either comes in the top 10 misses the cut or comes close to missing the cut. Well, this week, there's no cut. You're going to get a full four rounds out of him. And so why not go with a guy who can have spike weeks like he has all season and he just hasn't been able to convert him into wins. One of the spike weeks that he had was, oh yeah, I just mentioned Colonial Country Club for Grillo. Well, Shank came in second place there, right behind Grillo, lost in a playoff. Detroit Golf Club, seventh place finish. It's a Donald Ross design. TBC Southwind, sixth place finish. Similar par 70 Bermuda grass greens. And then Innisbrook Resort, uh, the Copperhead course, second place, another Bermuda grass greens, difficult course. So I don't mind going to Adam Shank this week. Now, like I said, I don't have a problem with Sepp Straka either. I think he's a little bit more of even kind of like the nuclear type player that might just make a run from the very back of the pack. I did not mention intentionally Tyrrell Hatton and Jordan Spieth. I like them both this week. But I think everybody likes them both this week. I think they're both surely to be massively popular plays, especially at their price tag. So just know that if you want to play Hatton or Spieth, I recommend not playing both of them together in DFS unless you're going to get super freaky with the rest of your lineup. But I expect both of them to be super popular. I expect both of them to play well this week here at Eastlake. So I don't have a problem with Hatton or Spieth, but I probably wouldn't play Hatton and Spieth. All right, now let's talk one and done real quick. Look, if your league is playing one and done this week, you're probably doing it wrong. I don't think there's any real fair way to do one and done for the Tour Championship. So, hey, look at who you got left. Look at who your opponents got left. Play the best guy. If you're doing like total strokes 
and it counts the starting strokes, get as many starting strokes as you can. If you are playing total strokes without the starting strokes, look at history. Eastlake, Xander, Shoffley would be my guy um, if I was probably having to do that. If you're doing prize money, well, I hope you save somebody good because there's a lot of money up for grabs this week. This is one that is big time for these golfers in real life to win. So, just who is it going to be that's going to win this tournament? Well, we were all over Victor Hovland last week. This week, I am going to go a little more chalky. I think Rory McIlroy is going to win back-to-back FedEx Cups. He has won with this format of event before. He only has three strokes to gain on Scotty. He gained six on him last year in route to winning. So I just, I really think it's going to be another Rory week. And he's probably the guy that I'm going to be playing the most of in my DFS lineups this week um, at the top of the board. So, There you have it. That was our Tour Championship 2023 preview. Hopefully, we gave you guys a lot of information that will help you make the right picks in DFS betting, um, showdown DFS, jog market, whatever game you're playing this week. Hopefully, we gave you guys enough information that are going to help you make the right picks and win some money. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel. You'll be notified when we come back for golf season next year. There's also our college football and season-long NFL fantasy football content that is up on the channel as well so whoops got the hiccups there so if you subscribe you'll be notified when all those episodes drop and if you're listening on audio please rate and review all right really enjoyed doing this 2023 um pga tour season here on the podcast we will be back for next season don't worry um but best of luck to everybody in the tour champion this week go pick some winners thank you guys for watching or listening and i will see you next time